Hey folks, this is Larry T. Hill for Kudju Creative and welcome to the very first Creator Tales podcast. This episode features Martha Del Grandi here in Kathmandu, Nepal. We talk about relocating yourself halfway across the world, representation in music, the deep music scene here in Nepal and setting up your own booking agency to support local and touring musicians. This episode was recorded at Carlo 101 in Patan and features a few growling cats somewhere in the middle for your enjoyment. This is the audio version of the podcast. If you'd like to check out the video version, head to kajucreative.net. Okay, good evening and welcome to the very first Created Tales podcast. This is Larry here and I have with me Martha Del Grandi. Hello. Hello, Larry. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank <laughs> you for having me. So this is at long last uh, my attempt at first finally doing a podcast after years and years of... I used to play around with audio Um back in the day and then as you know I've been uh, getting caught up in video in recent times. Uh, I actually started this as a bit of an interview series and in that interview series um, I did it more documentary style but I think I think I feel like the the podcast slash uh, video content style might might suit this a bit better but in that series I used to start by asking um, asking my guests uh, who are you and what do you create? Hello, my name is Marta. I am a singer-songwriter and I work as an artist booking and event management and, I don't know, artistic director <laughs> in some cases. Like my experience brought me to, took me to work with music in different ways. But I started off by studying jazz vocals and playing jazz for many years. Then I started to write my own songs. And yeah, that's what I mainly do. But I also like to work, yeah, in, in the other side of the music business and discover beautiful music and help promoting it. Okay, and can you tell me where do you create and perform your work? So I... I'm based in Kathmandu. Well, yeah, I'm based between Kathmandu and Europe. I'm from Milan. I lived in Belgium, in Ghent, Belgium, for five years, on and off. Because about four years ago, I started to kind of like being addicted uh, to going further and further. And I came for the first time in Nepal four years ago. I loved it and I just kept coming back and now I'm based here most of the time. So I spend most of the year here, but I also go to Europe for rather long periods when there is the opportunity of performing with uh, different collaborations I have ongoing. Mainly I write music here and uh, yeah, and it depends on the people I collaborate with, actually. I'm most more creative when I'm working with someone. <laughs> okay. So we first connected through So Far Sounds. Can you mm -hmm. tell me uh, your first connection with So Far Sounds and what the journey has been like? Mm. So my first So Far was in Den Haag, The Hague. Okay. Yeah, in right. the Netherlands. Yeah. My very first... You were performing? I was performing, mm -hmm. yeah. Actually, it, 
this was the year when my debut album was out in 2016 in the spring. Okay. And so when this album came out, it's called Invertebrates and it was released with the name Marta Rosa. That was the name of my band. And it, the band was based in Belgium. We released this record independently and friends and like people of my network helped out getting more and more possibility of performing around also in realities that I didn't know yet and one of them was so far sounds so I got in touch with the team from Brescia Italy then in a, like kind of rather small city in the north of Italy that has an incredible so far sounds team okay and I planned the show with them for September that year but then for some other like connections I ended up playing then Hague the hag before so in May or June, I think May or June 2016, I went to play this show and I was supposed to go with my guitarist, but then my guitarist told me like he couldn't make it for that last gig of this mini tour in the Netherlands. So I just picked up my acoustic guitar and I went on my own and I played a, a show, like a mini set, like a short set, I don't know, four songs from my album uh-huh. on guitar and vocals. That is something that I basically never do right unless when i write them i guess so it was like quite interesting and i made friends like that was a very interesting experience because i made some new friends that then i kept on visiting in the following two years and that was the very first one the very the second one was this one in brescia italy that was really amazing and so i got like very well impressed by so far sounds and moreover it was like more like this personal connection with some of the people so in the netherlands it was some of the people from the audience that became quite good friends Mm -hmm. and in some months after in brescia i got very uh yeah i got to know the team and especially this girl irene that is the anr okay and I stayed in touch with her. She came to visit me. Then we are always in touch. We always exchange ideas and yeah, the right. hands we like. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay. And what led to you uh, bringing Sofa Sounds to Nepal in a sense? When I moved here last year, so in September 2017, I didn't have that much like work-wise. So I was working on a few projects that then evolved during the year but I didn't have a job I didn't have a place to be you know an office or any any type of like commitment so I thought I have time for once to start something new start a new project and I had this nice experience with Sofar Sounds and I had a very good friend in Brescia who's in the team so I thought I would ask her how to do it and she helped me get in touch with the headquarters and then we set it up of course, yeah, it was important to meet the right people here. And uh, that happened quite soon. Like in October, we had this festival called Sign Valley. It was a festival of electronic music here in Kathmandu. Mm-hmm. And I got to know some younger musicians that I didn't know before. And they were actually, yeah, the the right, like the, the thing that I, I was missing to start the SOFAR team. So then, Okay. This happened, yeah. So how how did that team form and what what were the challenges? Challenges, yeah. There are 
always challenges because it's a very free form, you know, like you become, so far sounds Kathmandu, but then it's just like really everything is up to you. Basically, so far works if, as a brand, I would say, like you can't start a so far in your city if there is no so far in your city. And if you have a minimum of, I think, four team members mm -hmm. and or at least even if you're less, like you can uh, make sure that everyone can, just like these few people can cover all the tasks. And then if you have a list of potential acts that you can feature. So yeah, it was challenging because we weren't sure like who wanted to do what and how we would do it and how it would work. But it, it actually was very natural, I have to say. Okay. It was very easy to start and... And then it, there are always challenges, of course, but at the same time, it's still, I would say, quite easy, quite easy to make it work. Yeah. Right, right. Along the way, uh, how how long have you have you been around now, and what have been some of the some of the wins, some of the achievements? In Kathmandu. Yeah. yeah. So it's been four years on and off. The first time it was like just for my internship, so it was just wow, an overwhelming experience because it was so far away and so different and uh, so different, like really different in terms of energy and dynamics mm -hmm. and uh, coming from Europe, I mean. And I got addicted to it. I thought that I could just like come back and stay. There were like difficulties and that's why in the beginning I was not really like full on, oh, go back to Nepal, live in Nepal due to the fact that I am, yeah, I still, like, find it hard being a foreigner to have a good balance between work and being home and having enough savings, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that was, like, what I was a little bit afraid of. But so I would home say... Home in the sense, your, your own country. Home as in, yeah, as in Europe, even though, like, home is a very difficult concept for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, like, yeah. Here is probably more home but it's really hard for me to say home actually now I said it it's very light-hearted but uh, not really but anyways um I think that was what scared me but I would say so then one of the achievements is for sure the fact that I'm getting by and uh, surviving right. <laughs> in this life and making it happen and having enough uh possibility of work and yeah limited possibility of savings but it's enough to travel when I need to travel and it's getting better and better you said you got you, you said you got addicted to it what, what was it you that you got addicted to in of Nepal yeah mean, ah, yeah I got addicted. I wasn't sure whether it was Nepal uh, yeah or... I was addicted I, I got addicted to the idea of getting like away and even far and more far so I was already, like when I came here the first time, I'm from Italy and I was living in Belgium, but like after two years of Belgium, I was like, oh, I want to go again, like somewhere else and somewhere far. Then as I came to Nepal, it was like really the doors of a new universe opened up. So I just couldn't stay in Europe anymore. Right. <laughs> so I got addicted to run away. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I've I've pulled up a, a, a video from from perhaps that performance at the Hague that you're talking about. Is that right? Do you want to introduce this tune? Yeah, man. So this song is called "I Don't Want to Marry," 
it might sound funny since I am married, <laughs> but uh, I it's not a, an autobiographical song. In fact, it's a song inspired and yeah, it tells my my view on the story of this amazing woman, Pippa Bacca, an Italian performer who um, is from was from Milan and. Uh, now I don't remember exactly when. I think it was 2011 when she came up with this idea, this project, traveling from Milan to Jerusalem, hitchhiking, dressed okay. up as a bride. Okay. And this might sound like a great story, but the end is very tragic. In fact, she was kidnapped and murdered in Turkey. And that was like, I was rather young, I think. And I don't know if I kind of, if I got the whole picture and I don't know how I could read more about it because in fact there was not like we didn't have a smartphone and I think I didn't have a computer but anyways it's really really hit me this story because of the way the media in Italy was pre were presenting it like oh yeah you know she went there and she got killed it was like almost like blaming her and saying that she uh, triggered like she chased it you know okay. and then I, I felt like that was really wrong. And l years later, I wrote this song uh, thinking of this story and wanted to like pay a homage to her, I guess. Okay, let's uh, have a listen. I don't want to marry. I don't want to marry. But let me dress in white. Oh, let me dress in white. I don't want a house, I don't want a car, but let me travel wide and don't expect me to be wise and please don't save me from my thoughtless mind. I don't want to marry a bright Let me travel wide and don't expect me 
why? Oh, why do you keep on wondering why? Why do I always have to be wise? Oh, why do I always have to be shy? Oh, why, why, why? Oh, why do you keep on asking me why? Oh, why do you always want me to lie? Oh, why do I always have to be wise? Oh, why, why, why do you feel so responsible? Why do you keep on asking yourself why? If I had to decide again, my love, I wouldn't die for you. I don't want to marry, I don't want to marry, but let me dress in white, oh, let me dress in white. Artist formerly known as Marta Rosa. Uh, what's it like for you to watch that back right now? It was good, actually. I thought I would hate it. You seem you seem like I don't know, distant or, or perhaps embarrassed by your older material somehow. Um, or, or maybe just sick of it. No, I it? I don't know. It's just like uh, it's very different than what I do now. Mm-hmm. It's hard because it's very personal. Yeah. It's like really personal. And I think that I was really being myself very much. Yeah, yeah. Which I somehow find harder now. I mean, of course I'm I'm not like putting up a persona or anything now, but I just in a way like got to be like a bit more abstract in what I do. Currently, is it? Yeah. Where you're headed now. Okay. Yeah. Right. And uh this and like oh, me performing on guitar, man. I don't know. So this was the gig <laughs> where the guitarist didn't show up. Is this the one? Yeah, well, I knew that he wouldn't show up like by that time, like a couple of weeks before I knew that he wouldn't okay. show up. So and I do play some chords, you know, I write songs on guitar and I know all these jazz chords because I learned them okay. when I was studying jazz. Right. <laughs> and but it, yeah, like I don't know. Like if I had to perform on guitar now, wow, I would be really scared. But I should, yeah, to watch it, it was really beautiful, actually. I, I, it was a great experience. Thank you, Larry. You have a little laugh coming up when you say performing jazz. Why is that? <laughs> because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it anymore? You studied it, but you didn't play it? Or? Yeah, I studied a lot. Uh-huh. And I also, yeah, I recorded some jazz records also with different collaborations and some great musicians. I don't know. You know, jazz, uh, as in American music, I find now that it was like great to study and to learn different tools through jazz, but I would never see myself playing 
jazz, traditional jazz. Okay. Even though it's fun and it's great and I love it. But then when I hear like a, an American singer, I'm like, oh, that's how it should be. <laughs> Do you feel like that? Like it's the color of your voice or the accent or what is yeah, it? The accent for sure. And uh, the timing, the swing, the, you know, your uh, pronunciation, not really like not language wise, but of the, the language. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like a deep, deep seated feeling of, of it as your mother tongue. Is it that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. Not being a native speaker plays a big part, but also like it's really about this like essence of jazz, the swing and the accents and how you shape oh, each those, those word kind of and you know okay. Okay. you shape each word and you you shape each melody and you fall in the right place and I really admire it in a way. Like I just also at, at a certain point I got more into doing my own thing, so I stopped practicing like I used to practice and then okay. easily. You lose a lot of your technique. Yeah, so. yeah, but do you do you not also perform in other languages, jazz, not just English, right? No, yeah, for sure. I think like for me, English was not the main thing. I, I actually, yeah, like I hear my accent, but then also when I was singing jazz, I would really like practice how to sound more and more <laughs> like the jazz singers. Mm. There is a yeah, there is jazz in Portuguese. But I, yeah, I don't speak Portuguese. But I could, I, I, I can pull it off. Yeah. Which languages? I love Bossa, Yeah. Which languages do you speak? What, what is your mother tongue, or what, what other? My mother tongue is Italian, uh-huh. and I speak English. I speak a little bit of French, uh-huh. and I speak a little bit of Dutch, okay. <laughs> Dutch, yeah. Flemish, right. and my Nepali is so bad. How is the challenge of of picking up the language? In Nepal, yeah, yeah, dude, I really have to. I really have to. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's another universe of sounds. <laughs> okay. And for someone who is uh, who could be considered a sound artist or someone that mainly um, mainly plays with music and creates sound, uh, you strike me as someone that's uh, quite quite comfortable in in front of the lens, in say photography or videography. Mm. Um, to what degree are all these things just stories like? Films, videos, brand films, ads or promotions or shooting for your friends, fashion label. To what degree do you think these are all just stories or they're all just art? Why, what, what makes you feel so uh, comfortable with it? Because not everyone is, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm, good question. Um, I think I've always felt comfortable and I've always wanted – performing and being in front of a lens or in front of people doing my thing. Okay, yeah. And even just not doing my thing, doing something that I, 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 I'm asked, yeah. Okay, yeah. And I like it, like, yeah, I really like nice pictures huh? or like a nice video. So, so it's nice that you mentioned this modeling for my friends fashion friends right yeah (laughs) for instance like that's totally like a story that could fit into mine like all of this most of these collaborations even those that i wasn't like a musician for but like a model or i don't know yeah i guess a model fit in my story because of the people that are behind it okay okay so in this case this friend of mine she runs a children's clothing brand called ketiketa Uh uh-huh and uh, she's from Paris, 
and the brand is made in Nepal. And she came to one of my latest shows in Nepal, like a big show. It was called Long Tongue Tales, A Journey into the World of Pangolins. Okay. It's a performance of music and analog animation yeah, with, a, with a colleague friend of mine from Italy also. Okay. And this friend of mine, Alia, she loved the performance. And actually, I didn't know her, but she came up to and like she reached out to us to meet us and talk about doing something together, like doing like a pangolin line for okay. her for her brand. And then I ended up modeling for that. Okay. Yeah. Did that eventuate, the pangolin line? Yes, we are working on it and uh, it's coming up in spring. Yeah. I will get back to asking you about the Fossic project, but for now, yeah. can you introduce uh, this tune? Shoes, rocks and boxes. Yeah. Um, okay. Shoes, rocks and boxes. And is this the album that you were talking about before? Yeah. It was the, yeah. It okay. was the single we released uh-huh. when we released the record. And it's a song I wrote kind of together with my band like my band mm-hmm. helped writing like the groove and uh, backbone of the song and then I wrote the song right but which is quite unusual it's probably the only song we wrote this way because usually I'm just like so uh f- very hands protective okay. yeah protective of my songs and if I bring it like an arrangement that is not finished and then it goes somewhere that I didn't expect then I probably regret it okay but this time, yeah, I mean, it it, would, it it started this way. So then we kept it and okay. we thought that it was fun. Yeah. And uh, so, so something that also picks up the last topic we touched. So the video direction was done by Yoshe, who's a good friend who used to work. When we were students, we used to work in the same cafe. Okay. And <laughs> she released her short film maybe a couple of years before this one, like in 2015, maybe. No, one year before. And we all, like, witnessed her work there, like how she was working so hard in the cafe to make enough savings to pay pay for the short film and filing for funds. And she did a great job, and the short film is great. Right, right. And uh, her name is Yoshe Hendricks. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember the title because it's some kind of Swedish strange word. Okay. What uh, genre, what style of film is it? Very Swedish. Short short film, was it? Yeah, it's short film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very Scandinavian. I don't know. Like, I don't want to talk about film because obviously, like, I'm not an expert. Right. (laughs) Great definitions. So when um, when we were thinking of doing a video clip of which which was the, f- the very first video clip I had that I had ever done uh-huh. it was quite natural to ask her and uh, so she came up with this idea we it was a uh, winter so there would be a month of this carnival in town so she came up with the idea of just going to the carnival and making taking some fun shots there and there is also a scene of me waking up. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun and I have great memories of this. Okay, let's check it out. Yeah. Some 
That's shoes, rocks, and boxes. What is it, what is it like watching watching that for you? Is it some cringes, some smiles. What, what is that feeling? Uh, it's uh, it's nice to watch because there are some nice moments there, and we were actually genuinely having fun. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah to listen to the song again and like I am like so critical. <laughs> There are so many things I would do different now in the production of it. So that's the mix and like how it sounds. The mix, the structure, it's way too long. (laughs) Were you, I mean, yeah, sure, these are are labels and I'm not sure how you feel about labels, but it has like a kind of pop folk kind of feel. Like did you want to get like a more of a tighter pop song? What what was the? Yeah, I guess this one was like meant to be a pop song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like obviously, even if I would try, I I can't make pop music. Like it's always something like with some something odd in it. Yeah. So you had your your, your outro key change. Yeah. There, so it? then there was like this outro, and in general, like there will be like some odd riffs or my melodies. They are not really, uh, yeah, not really linear. Usually there is something more yeah. going on or like a change in harmony. And so I guess like I really didn't care for it to be like a three minutes 40 hit. Yeah, yeah. And I still wouldn't. But I think that there are some things I would change in the in the, in the structure and in some of the choices of sound. I feel like um, pop songwriting gets a bit of a bad name because it's deceptively hard, I feel. I feel yeah, like. it is very hard, I yeah, think. Yeah. I think it's people that do it are like really good. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that song has a lot of these elements of like a successful... Like a really solid, solid pop song. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I guess like the verse is really a verse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The chorus, yeah, could be a pop song. Maybe it could had to be like a bit more. And the the feel like of the, a, sorry, the feel of the video clip for those that aren't that aren't watching. It's uh, it's in four three formats or an older yeah. non widescreen format. It's a little bit cropped, and it's got this kind of nostalgic family holiday home video kind of feel, but. I think that's done in like a like a the, f- the filmmakers gone about making it feel like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think our reference. So my first reference, I don't know why, was losing my religion by R.E.M. Okay. Yeah. And then we, so sh- that's why she chose also this format, and she it so it was already on her mind. But then I gave I gave this reference because I just like I'm so at, I love that that video. And then we checked this other one, Imitation of Life by R.E.M. that has this nostalgic family vacation feel. So I guess R.E.M. is my <laughs> reference for yeah. the video. Yeah. And <laughs> again, with you being comfortable in the creation process visually, um, some of the scenes are very, very like warm and, and intimate. Was that because it was someone that was so close to you behind the lens? That, for sure. Yeah. And also the makeup artist, a very good friend of mine. So okay. they were both really pushing me yeah. to do the dance. And yeah, yeah, it was really great. But it, in like looking at it now, it feels very you and it feels very comfortable. It feels very natural. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like you're wearing masks or characters. Yeah, no, for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, we touched on genres. You're someone that have played with many different genres of music. How do you feel about genres, labels, and the way that we categorize music? And how does that help you kind of navigate mm. your space? Your yeah, place I, I never felt comfortable with it. Mm. And I, I, I guess I'm doing better now. But 
I felt like really uncomfortable with it, like when this album came out and I had to tell what it was. Mm. And uh, I've ended up like kind of giving up explaining and uh, I ended up also, yeah, kind of yeah, changing a bit of the way I write. I think when I got more conscious about genres and... Yeah sounds which is it's not a bad thing it's also a good thing like it's good it's something i'm learning it's good to learn about like what sound belongs to what in time you know in time then mm -hmm. we are in a moment in which like we can use anything in one one place and yeah if you do it like and you pull it off very it it, it makes sense to you then everything can work but it was just what I mean. It's like it's it was interesting to learn more, and I am interested now in learning more about what belongs to a certain genre and uh, how I can use it yeah. in the best way, like to just describe what I want to do, like unravel my thoughts, like yeah. learning it in detail to sort of throw away the rule book kind of thing, or what's the approach? Uh, uh, I don't know. It's just like now when I'm when I'm writing. I have like more, like before it was more like I had maybe a color in mind or yeah. an overall feeling of what it should be. And now I can just like be like, I want that sound that I heard there, but I want to change it this way. You know, like I can, I, I'm just like learning more production, I guess. Okay. Yeah, Because something like jazz music came out of a specific time and location, right? And Definitely. I guess it helps if you have an understanding of that. Uh, so as not to just appropriate. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a very important thing for jazz. Yeah. But it's a very important thing for many other genres, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you touched on colors there. There's been a big response to the music platform uh, called Colors. And for anyone not familiar, it's coming out of Berlin and the ca catchphrase is all colors, all colors, no genres. And um, they're focusing on a particular music aesthetic, which is a little hard to describe, but... Visually, for anyone who hasn't seen that, they'll take a color from the performer's clothing and then they'll, this will generally become the color of the square box studio that they perform a semi-live song in, in for the studio. Um, I understand colors have reached out to India recently and, and you met the representative. Yeah, not in person, okay. but um, we've been talking like a few times lately. Her name is Anisha and she's based in Bombay and actually I got in touch with her because she is the... India representative of She Said So, which is uh, an amazing initiative. Like it's a global a community, a global community of women who work in the music business. And right, yeah. based, yeah, the headquarters are in LA and London, I think, if I'm not wrong. But okay. it's spreading out, and there are divisions in many countries. One of it, or one of them, is in India, and because we are just about to have an event with So Far Sounds Kathmandu that will have a 100% female lineup and will happen during the Photo Kathmandu Festival yeah. that has this year a focus on gender, patriarchy, um, identity, like these yeah. kind of issues for yeah. which we thought a 100% female lineup would make an impact. And it's also because we think it's just like very important to have more female acts because on average, like, you know, we are just like not close to be 50-50. Yeah, absolutely. And so I got in touch with Anisha, who was the, the representative of the India di division. And she is also involved in Colors. 
So she mentioned that to me and uh, I checked the platform out and actually she also asked for recommendations of artists that I know that could be featured on it. So it's exciting and I think it's a great, yeah, things are going well. Like things are taking a good turn, I think. From what you understand is that relationship, her relationship with Colors to uh, be a bit of a scout for India to perhaps... It feels like they all get shot in Berlin, right? So would that be sending artists to uh, Berlin potentially? I'm not quite sure. But I think, yeah, she's doing some scouting. Okay. So I guess most probably they are shooting also in other play parts in, of the world. Yeah. And it's she, sure. she said so. She said so, She yeah. said so. So working with women in the music business, is that both sides, performers, management? Yeah. I know you, you find yourself on... 360 degrees, yeah. You can, both sides of this. Yeah, yeah many... Uh, there are many different people in the community and even video makers, you know, it doesn't not necessarily be like strictly around being a music performer or a music business okay. uh, professional, but also like around the music. Right. Now, you've started up something recently called WASP. Can you tell us what this new mm -hmm. venture is all about? Yeah. So WASP, We All Should Play <laughs> Concerts, is a booking agency that I've started very recently. Actually, this idea came up in August and actually you were probably the first act of unofficially of yeah. was because yeah, it was yeah. my first artist that I would like take care of in yeah. Nepal. And it came up from the need for me to do something more than so far. I mean, so far is awesome and it's probably the best thing that I'm doing. That I've, that I've done and it was yeah. a great opportunity and it still is amazing. But I feel like I would like to organize also uh, full shows for acts so that you can have like different different concerts in town, not yeah. only like a So Far Sounds, but also like you like an artist or I like an artist and I know they're passing by and I can plan a couple of shows, one in the north of the city, one in the south of the city so that more people can come see it. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm working with some venues and uh, I'm starting to work with uh, some other promoters also. And uh, yeah, learning the job, I guess. Okay. And you recently went down to the Sofa Sounds meetup, right? Did you meet other people that ha uh, sort of got similar things on the side uh, or connected to similar? Um, sort of side projects than the yeah. individual so far cities? Yeah, definitely. It was inspiring because uh, not all of them, but like for sure all of the Asia city leaders I've met are just like very brilliant people doing many different things. And some of them are professionals in the music business. So they have also other things on the side of yeah, booking agencies or management. There are yeah, a couple of them are managers and... Uh, who else? Uh, other people do something very different. Like there is this girl from Seoul, South Korea. Mm -hmm. She develops apps. Okay. But she's like absolutely the most incredible city leader I've ever met. Like, right. Wow, she's really good. Okay, so she's yeah. other otherwise not involved in the music. No, scene. she develops apps. I think okay. you know, not particularly focused on music. But yeah. Right, right. So in my first round, it was in Sri Lanka. So I was using the term island mentality and talking with people about the, the pros and cons. But essentially, it's talking about being in a small 
small country and and the, the sort of isolating effects of that over there it's um a, a little bit more enhanced because we do have no land borders yeah uh in this context here in nepal how, how do you feel that the the smallness of the of the country brings advantages disadvantages mm. in terms of the creative scene and music scene in particular well i am i am impressed by the creative scene so i'm not sure how the political and geographical situation of nepal influences that in a way i think that the fact that it's so there are different different yeah consequences i think like one very important uh, thing that we can't forget about is that uh, actually nepalese they they can travel in india but for the rest of the world they need visa so m- many artists have not been abroad okay. and uh, it's like it, yeah for me like yeah coming from Europe and being like having this very privileged passport, it was quite a new news to uh, digest, yeah, you know, absolutely. that like, I mean, I can go everywhere, you know. And uh, at the same time, I, I feel like in a way it's it's part of it, it's part of the creative process, like for sure the political and geographical context and the fact that it's uh, we are not surrounded by the sea and uh, mm. yeah of course you can fly to delhi but uh, or you can fly to bombay and that's a direct flight but for all the other destinations you need to just like travel very long yeah and uh, it, it, there is quite some isolation i guess but i guess but i think yeah it works in both directions you know of course it's a disadvantage obviously yeah. but it's also an advantage for the fact that we kind of preserved a cocoon mm. and uh, this cocoon is like a mix of tradition innovation and identity for sure identity and uh, i find that the, the art scene is very deep goes very deep yeah, much yeah. deeper than in other places in the world much deeper than the place where i lived for years and i did my studies mm-hmm. I find it similar to my home country in a way. Like I find Nepal similar to Italy for the way history still lives somewhere in the soil, like right. underneath our feet right. Right. and influences us. And uh, mentality-wise, I don't know. I guess, yeah, it's not an island. It, it's the opposite of an island, you know, <laughs> actually. It's really the opposite of an island. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in between two giants. I guess, you know, the limits are, in fact, like these borders Mm. that are hard to uh, come across. And uh, it's an opportunity now to expand the range of operation, you know, of like musicians from here, for instance. That's what I would like to do more and more. And that's why I'm getting in touch with more people in India because the art scene is... Amazing. Yeah. The music industry is like booming and it's incredible. It so is, yeah. I feel like it's really the, the the opportunity now is to connect with India and with other other places in Asia where things are 
going like at a fast speed and I think that we are and Nepal is more than ready. Kathmandu is more than ready. So Absolutely. Yeah, deep is is the word for it. Um coming from coming from Sri Lanka, the, the, the density and the number of music venues and bands is is just yeah. just massive here. Uh, yeah. both in uh in Kathmandu and, and, and Pokhara, the small scenes around. But yeah. Uh also compared to Sri Lanka and India, it seems seems challenging for people in creative industry with the with the wages here. It's like it's yeah. really so the the number of performers is is greater, but the financial value that they're providing seems yeah seems to be less. That's also why like I felt that starting Wasp was necessary because I feel like it's it's time to create awareness about this and to mm. like support the musicians that are doing it professionally and also to explore different possibilities like I myself like I do many different things because you know Kathmandu is still like Nepal is still like basically just Kathmandu and you can't really make a living by performing in one city can you so yeah so yeah okay so so WASP exists and is striving to help others work get out there how do you get your own uh, music out there? How have you done it in the past? H- how do you think you'll do it next time? I released it independently. I released it through CD Baby mm. on uh, all the streaming platforms and iTunes and I we printed it. We bought like our copyright uh, stamps okay. <laughs> from the, the Italian copyright agency and we sold it at the shows. Uh-huh. And you sold physical copies? Yeah, physical copies at the shows. CDs? Is yeah, yeah, CDs, you okay. know. Yeah, CDs only. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like next time I want to make vinyls. But oh. I mean, I've, I have an EP in the making. It's been in the making for a long time. It's also the second album of my band is been in the making. And then I moved here, so I put it in standby. Okay. And I'm waiting for the, the good time to put it out and finish it and put it out. And about my EP, I, yeah, I had a plan that actually is falling apart. So... I'm making a new plan okay. and I think I'll be releasing with uh, an independent label from Italy probably or from somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, I have a few options and I think I'm, yeah, I really want to do this in 2019 so it will be done. It, it can be a real challenge to communicate to, uh, I guess, a, a listener who may not be so aware of all the ins and outs of, of making music but when you see something uh, like this, like this video clip that you showed, that's gone through this massive long process of you writing, maybe testing the song live, mm-hmm. finally getting to recording the song, mixing, mastering, and then that finally that mastered uh, piece of music uh, is what the video clip is then shot, cut, and edited yeah. for, right? So it's this huge long process. Where are you with the current music when you say it's in the pipeline? Uh, is it it's still being written and produced? It's written, yeah. It's definitely recorded, but it's not finished the production is not finished i'm not sure how i want it to sound (laughs) okay and i'm also not sure that i'm gonna put only those songs maybe some new songs as well so in a way like i had the plan of releasing this three track cp yeah and this yeah this fell apart because of like some major yeah major forces like yeah not due to me not due to the producer but okay it's it's going this way unfortunately, but now it's an opportunity for me to change maybe the initial plan according to what I feel now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
when you talk about festivals, uh, Photo KTM is going on at the moment, and I think it's one of your favorite festivals. Can you tell us about the festival and its yeah, maybe a little bit more about its thing? Yeah. Well, I like this festival. It's a, it's actually the first time that I experience it in person. But the first edition in 2014, 15, sorry, the first edition in 2015 was being like in the it was like in in the making when I was living here for the first time, mm. and my sister came to visit me, and then she just called her boss at home in Milan and told him, "I'm I quit. I'm staying here." <laughs> she really did. Uh, it was her internship, of course, but okay. but still she called and she said, I'm sorry, I'm staying here. And she stayed for like a couple of months. And she interned with Photo Circle, the organization that right. organizes Photo Kathmandu. So that's why I'm like, I have these romantic memories of that time. And okay. that's why I, I have like this sympathy for Photo Kathmandu. Right. Then the second edition, yeah, I wasn't here. Now finally I'm here. This is the third edition. I like the fact that it's so... Um, spread out and uh, it's so user-friendly in a way like you can just like walk around and you're in the museum yeah yeah and that's what i like i, I like the fact that there are different activities i yeah i think i mean it's a photography festival of course like i would like uh, a concert every night but yeah that's yeah. that's not what it's about and uh, but still, like there is, there are possibility of fitting me some music into it, and in fact, even the two of us are going to play, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah for a photography festival, it does tend to involve many different different mediums, yeah. right? Yeah. Various events, and also for 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 photography festival, I've been involved with a a, a women's festival in Colombo, and this festival seems even more radically feminist than than mm. a women's festival was in, in my experience. Uh, mm. How does that feel for you? Or why do you think that's uh, important in this space, in this time? I think it's very relevant because I, I, coming from Italy, you know, there are many issues that I haven't experienced in first person. Uh, for instance, like all the discourse about menstruations that is going on and it, like that goes on in like many much work of many artists here is something that I had to learn about because it, yeah we of course like we all struggle with this issue but at yeah. the same time like we don't have to be like isolated when we get our menstruations while I it was very interesting to read and to see like the work of certain artists that describe what this is for someone born in, in certain tradition. And also I'm a teacher. I work as an educator. I have two groups of teenagers that I mentor. Uh -huh. And uh, when I talk to them, it always comes up like the gen genre, the gender, the gender issue and uh, equality issue mm. always comes up. So I feel in this you it was not like for my generation, at the same age, it was not the same. Like, Something that we talked about. Yeah, yeah, I would have never been so aware yeah. as they are. So I think it's great and it, it has, a, yeah, it's quite significant that the festival is talking about this. And I hope that it's talking about those age groups as well. I don't know. I, I, will, I will do my best to help. I know she said, she said so, is that, is that? Yeah. She said so. I know she said so is working on this very thing, but how, how important 
important do you think representation in music is and how do we get to where we want to be with equal representation in, in music and on music stages? I think it's, yeah, it's, it's we're still very far from equal representation. Yeah. And uh, I struggled very much when I was just like a full-time singer-songwriter, like when I was really focused on getting my music out, like when my album was released. I really struggled with this because I was very confronted with the fact that there is, the, the industry is strongly discriminative and uh, so much and it's like so rooted like mm. so established that it's almost like hard to talk about it yeah. or how to do something about it and if you say something about it they'll be like oh my god yeah there she goes again i know a female manager i know a female booker that venue is programmed by a woman and i'm like oh okay that's exactly what i wanted to say but yeah i feel like this tell me what's the context of that who, who would be who would be saying these things oh if i would be like talking and like complaining about the fact that oh this is very hard for a woman uh-huh. like it's very hard in general but yeah. it's especially very hard from a woman and like i feel that i am discriminated because i'm a woman or like if i talk to them if i was a man it there would be a different right reaction and i talk about the fact that there are less opportunities for women in the music industry then it seems like, oh, yeah, of course you're saying this. Like, right, oh, yeah, like if there weren't it's not a feminist managers, red. yeah. And, you know, wow, it's, uh, yeah. I think it's very important what she said, so it's doing. And also this organization called Key Change. Okay. That uh, is working towards uh, the 50-50 quota in festivals. Yeah. Right, right. Um so yeah, of course you feel this in in your music and and on on stages and in festivals you might have been involved in, uh, but now you are stepping up and you are being a manager. How do you feel like that colors your experience when you're organizing with new venues or artists contact you or mm. do you think you're questioned or doubt, doubted if you mm. can do what you are actually doing? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not like in oh I I mean I can generalize like there are great i'm working with great people so not like with the people that i work regularly i feel like actually it's an added value that i'm a woman and you know actually i work like with other female curators Mm -hmm. like now we are hosted by helena in calo in her art gallery and she's like amazing space an amazing woman in arts could you tell us about this space actually i forgot to um yeah, so this is called Kahlo 101. Uh-huh. It's an art, contemporary independent art gallery okay. founded by Elena and Aditya. Uh-huh. And uh, Helena is a German um, researcher. <laughs> I don't know, like, I think she's a. Yeah. She came here to do her research and she did her PhD and then she stayed. Mm-hmm. And she started this beautiful place. And now she she's a very active person in the art scene in Kathmandu. So is the artistic director of Photo Kathmandu, who was also a woman. Yes, yeah. And uh, a director of different art galleries in uh, Kathmandu are also women, like Siddhartha Art Gallery, Nepali Art Council, Art Council. So, I mean, I do feel like 
yeah, I feel that with some, like especially venue owners, when you come and you're a woman and you're also a foreigner, <laughs> it's mm. kind of like, you feel like, ah, uh, yes, I guess like the, there was like a little prejudice from their side. Okay. But I just try to do my best to prove prove myself, I guess. Right, right. Do you think as we uh, move towards gender parity in leadership roles that representation just tends to fl be a flow-on effect of that? Mm, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I want to talk about surviving and thriving. You did talk about um, playing gigs in one city and uh, that doing only, not only, you can't just do that and, and survive, right? Mm. So you're out there teaching, you're out there hustling. Uh, how do you keep going? I balance things up. I never take full-time regular jobs mm -hmm. because I'm always waiting for the time when I'm flying out and I'm going to tour myself okay. for a bit. Yeah. But And also because I need a flexible schedule for all the things I do. So I was lucky enough to get like a few um, uh, teaching jobs that are quite flexible. Yeah. And they're very interesting, especially this like mentorship mentorship I do yeah, yeah. in a school here with like 16, 17 year olds. Mm -hmm. And I have some private students that are learning some vocal technique with me. <laughs> Plus I organize more and more shows. So I hope that will become uh, in a way like a source of income or like part of my income. And yeah, when I travel, I play gigs, so I play gigs here, but like, of course, like we were saying, maybe once a month or if I have a new project or like if some of my, for instance, the Fossic project, if my partner comes here, then we'll do like one week of like very intensive programming, but we are also playing shows in Europe and now we're probably going to India in the winter and different other countries. So always trying to balance things up. And I'm someone who uh, I, I had the opportunity for a lifelong music uh, learning because my, my mom is a music teacher, but I, I chose to go and play the drums. And I, and I, I never, never studied music, but I have at times uh, taught music workshops and musical skills. Um, on the flip side, you've studied music extensively, I believe. Have you gone yeah, into a master's? master's yeah. yeah, can you tell me about that? Um, yeah, I'm, I've always been singing since I was a little kid mm -hmm. then I started some vocal technique classes when I was 16 and I learned about the instrument and I had a, an amazing teacher but at the same time I wasn't really sure and actually no I was going towards academics more mm -hmm. so I have a bachelor degree in political science international relations <laughs> <That's Right. laughs> I went right after my studies I went to this bachelor studies but already in my second year I subscribed to this jazz school in Milan that was a three years program and now became a bachelor back then it was just a diploma and I didn't know when I signed in I thought that it would be just a music school but it became like 60% of my studies maybe okay. and uh, so I got very very fond of it and after I finished and after I graduated in political science I, I applied for the master and I got in into the conservatory in Milan and uh, I actually wanted to study in Belgium I was 
really in love with Belgium with the idea of living there. <laughs> Funny, but <laughs> I I switched like from Milan. I went to Ghent and uh, I did my masters there. It was great. And then I did my internship here in Nepal. And when I went back, I graduated in 2015. So I learned a lot of jazz theory, harmony, history, rhythm, melody, improvisation. And uh, I started to study music very late because I was 20. So there are still some things that I would like to do better. But I know that maybe... Will never happen. Like learn how to play the piano well, <laughs> learn how to sight read well. Right. Yeah, learn how to write for strings. This kind of stuff that I was supposed to learn at school, but I could ca- kind of like get away with my exams and not really learn. <laughs> okay. So I'm someone that I uh, dropped out of uni in my last year, but I, I'd I'd gotten enough out of the degree to then change directions and then and then keep going. But s- something about that amount of study just like. I don't know, it just hurts my head a little bit. Is there a degree of like suffering and pain that goes that you go through for that amount of study? I had a lot of sense of duty, I guess. Yeah. I guess I was raised, I don't know, because then my parents would say, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like your sister never had that, you know? And I'm like, yeah. But they they saw it more as an oppo- a great opportunity. Like I think my, because I, I t- when I talk to my parents, I'm like, oh, I always felt like this sense of duty. And... Uh, I some somehow I think that it must have come from my parents. I don't know. And they like they're like, oh, I don't know. You were just like that. So <laughs> I just like really felt like I had to finish. Okay. And yes, it was at times painful, but the motivation of finishing and getting there was like too big. And also the feeling that oh, if I give it up now, it would just be nothing. Right. I don't know. So I guess I really had strong motivation and then after school it's just like it's gone I don't know where this motivation is anymore lost <laughs> <laughs> and does does all that that qualification and that study does that give you some building box or strength in your in your teaching or is that another thing yeah, entirely for sure. well first of all it gives me a title to teach yes, like okay. you know and when you when you write when you send your resume it looks like wow you've done so many things and you're such a pro <laughs> Which, I mean, we both know it's like partially true. <laughs> or like at least it's not the only way to be able to sure. do the things I do or yeah. like you do or we all do. Right. But uh, yeah, I guess like going to school, in some, in some cases, like I had some teachers that had very good method and I learned from them the method. Okay. You know? And I made like a patchwork of like all the teachers I liked and I put them all together and now I guess I use a lot of what I learned from them and I put a little bit of me and that's that's what I know. Yeah, but that's what I do. Okay. And your music has evolved over the years and go, gone through certain, I don't know, different t- twists and turns. Do you, do you have a sense of like an end goal? What would be the, the ultimate thing for you, for you to take your music and your art? Where to take it? Uh, I think more and more I am experiencing the need for working with different art practice like not myself like you know different I write yeah like no more like working with uh, other artists that are working with a different medium okay. so I guess like a very interesting and significant experience for me is the Fossic project which is collaboration with my friend Cecilia Valagusa yeah. who is an Italian illustrator and a good friend, like we were just like good friends hanging out. 
And one day she was about to publish her book and she wanted to do a release show. So she asked me to play some songs and we decided that maybe it would be nice if she would draw, like live draw something. So she got this very old school overhead projector. Yeah, yeah. And we did like some kind of freestyle performance in which I was playing my songs. I now play a solo performance with a loop machine, like the TC Helicon Voice Live, which is an effector looper. Mm -hmm. uh, since the micro cork and the organelle, and now I'm using Ableton Live. But back then it was just basically like one channel, like I was just looping synth and vocals through my loop machine, so very basic. Uh -huh. And uh, she was drawing just like something, yeah, something, I don't know. She created a story around right, it. Right. And uh, yeah, so that, that was the first attempt. And then we evolved, we developed the, the concept, we developed the possibilities and we started using more materials. I started using some samples, recording soundscapes and uh, writing songs for the story. Mm. And we came up with this performance on Pangolin. And we also decided that we are gonna focus on wildlife conservation for a while. Mm. So, We've, we've, we've done like this residency in Nepal and presented the show in Nepal. It went really well. Then we did some shows in Europe and now we are about to start some more shows in the winter. That will probably take us to different countries and we will keep on, we will keep on touring until the summer kind of. And that was like very, very interesting because I realized I want to connect my music to something visual. So that is something that is ongoing. And I'm also writing songs for a short film of my friend Rochelle. Uh, Rochelle, her surname is so hard. I think it's like Reuters. She's Dutch, so okay. it's very difficult. Okay. But she's a photographer and filmmaker, and right. she's working on her second short film. Hey, it's, it's such an interesting project. I can't say anything about it yet, but I'm writing songs for it. Great. Yeah. I, I, I was really excited when I first saw uh, some visuals of the Fossick project because um, with my mum being a musician, I grew up being the overhead projector boy in church with the, <laughs> with the lyrics. So I always had to um, kind of be a, be a projectionist <laughs> and pull out, pull out the right slide at the right time. And, and because of the nature <laughs> of the medium, you're like working in mirror and reverse, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you get in this weird headspace and You've got to put an extra sheet to cut. So when I saw that, I saw this like old school. Yeah, yeah. Before, and, and I, I did get to um, play around with that with a permaculture performance like about, um, I don't know, eight years ago or something as well. We just did a very lo-fi shadow puppet kind of kind of scene. And that's, wow. it's, it's a really warm feeling, this old school. Did, did, did you have to source that separately here? No, no. One? We have a portable. Oh, we found one. like this up. one that folds. It's amazing. Okay. So we travel with like our little two suitcases and we go, we can go everywhere. It's like such a, it's such a great also dimension, you know, because like we, uh -huh. we get along very well and we work very well together and it's very hard, very easy to travel with a duo. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, well, thank you so much for being with me this evening on our very first Creative Tales. Thank podcast. You, Larry. Uh, it's my pleasure. Marta Del Grande, thank you. Um, can you just give us a quick introduction to this piece, which also happens to be from the Fossic Project? Oh, yeah. So, this is a song I wrote for 
this show, Long Tall Tales. So Long Tall Tales. Uh-huh. Pangolin. I don't know if you know about Pangolin. Pangolin is scaly anteater. Okay. And it's a small mammals with covered in scales, hard scales. Are they here? I feel like I saw a drawing yeah. of them. There are. The okay. Yes, there are pangolins in Nepal, but they are very hard to find. Okay. Because they are nocturnal and right. they hide. Right. And they they like live underground. And they have this capacity of rolling up in a ball to hide and to protect themselves. Okay. And they have a very long tongue. Because they are anteaters, right? Is so that the they're long tongued eels. Yeah. Okay, got it. And you know, yeah, the, the dramatic part of the story is that penguins are like one of the most trafficked animal species on the planet. Whoa. Why and is like that? well, because they are believed to have like these uh, scales that are uh, have medical powers. They, okay. uh, Chinese medicine believes they have medical powers. Right. And their meat is believed to be very uh, delicious and uh, rare. Wow. Any idea so, what the what the going what the black market rate? Is yeah, there? well, in the, in the past ten years, more than a million pangolins have been killed. And okay. yeah, I think things are changing as well because, like, the campaign is going well, the awareness campaign. So I think that the price okay. is for sure subject to that. To like, I, I guess things are getting better. Yeah, and yeah. which countries are they found in? Uh, there are different species, uh-huh. but the Chinese and Indian pangolins are the ones that are the most endangered. Okay. And uh, we have some in Nepal. There are in India, in uh, Vietnam, in uh, uh, China, okay. in South and Southeast Asia. Right, right. Okay, so a nocturnal creature and a nocturnal performance works well together. Then. Yeah. Projection. So this is just a short version of a song of the show. And it's called The Promised Land. So basically, Long Tone Tales is the story of this pangolin that is living freely and happily in nature until the city comes up, like <laughs> urbanization happens and this city uh, starts to be built and the pangolin ends up selling momos <laughs> on a food truck. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he's, he hates it. He hates these nine-to-five jobs. And then he hears this voice of a goddess that tells him, go find the promised land. <laughs> yeah. So Peng- the voice? Uh, no, the- in that case, it was this goddess. this like Hindu goddess with like many heads and arms. Okay. And it was Chandresha who sang this like beautiful Indian classical piece. Okay. Like being the, the <laughs> voice of the, of the god. Everything is music, so there are no... Speeches, except for some samples. Like I sampled, you will you will hear who I sampled. I sampled the, the speech of Obama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, then he, he goes, finally, he starts his journey to the promised land, and that's when this song happens. He meets the Gangetic Dolphin, and Gangetic Dolphin also tells him, let's go to the promised land. We won't regret it. Check it out, y'all. Thanks again so much for joining us, Martha. Thank you. On Creative Tales number one. Here's some of the journey into the world of pangolins. Pangolin. Have you heard about the promised land? Some have already gone Why don't we follow them? 
Blessed by the shade of mango trees Don't you wish for quiet and serenity We won't need to move ever again You shouldn't be afraid Come on, take my hand and Let's not waste more time, my friend We should go look for the promised land No regrets or fears no more Let's go find what we've been looking for Have you heard about the promised land? Some have already gone Why don't we follow them? Trees of green The sky is always Best place to build a home, a place for me and you. We came to a land where there were other people living. No other country on earth is my story even possible. Home in the face of uncertainty. Why don't we follow? I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. My sister. My brother. We hope you enjoyed this episode one of the Creative Tales podcast from Kaju Creative. Do subscribe so you can catch the next one and we'd love if you shared this one with a friend. Until next time, keep creating.